Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. And we continue with our home editions. And I always bring a, a new microphone with me so I can try it out. And this is one of my latest <laughs> ones. But it's really good also to get fantastic guests. And I'm so proud of these two individuals. They're known as the brothers. I will let them introduce themselves. Uh, we've known each other for a long time, actually. Uh, and kind of, you left the country for a while, then you came back. You did some great stuff for Sky in terms of uh, online presence. And I think one of your claims to fame is that all the great things you do on your Sky uh, remotes and your Sky dishes, you're the main designer for that. Um, I always remember you for that. So you've done terrifically well. You're doing some incredible work at the moment. You're also patrons of uh, the um, Brunel University trustees in terms of uh, leading lights. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the show, the Singh Brothers or the brothers, I'll let you introduce yourselves. This is Gurmit and Amundi. Let's start off, we're gonna talk about three things today. We are gonna talk about some of your company experiences. We're gonna talk about uh, what's known as a customer-centric environment. What, I don't even know what that means. Well, I do have a hint, <laughs> but, in a, but a hint in terms of uh, online presence. And then the final yeah. thing, if anybody wants to move into this space, which is known as UX, which is user experience, and one of the great things is we look at your Apple, there are other devices available, but look at the interface on the Apple and the original iPod, a little spinning thing with a little dot in the middle. Uh, but anyway, you guys are brilliant. So over to you, tell us about some of the company experiences uh, that you've got. What's the real important thing about customer centric situations? Thank you, first of all, for having us. I mean, it's amazing to be uh, called onto a show, first of all, but um, uh, yes, yeah, really humbling experience. So thank you very much, first of all. I think um, in terms of people's appreciation for customer experience. It's one of those really hard situations where you have to somehow figure out how do I design for someone else and how do I actually create a product that may be counterintuitive to the business that I'm working for. Now, that's a really difficult um, undertaking for someone to conceptualize, yet alone be actually to, to actually deliver it. So that's a really big, big thing. And you see this all the time um, from patient experiences that you may see in the NHS or Booper or or, or any um, health health clinic, but also when it comes into consumer goods like uh, I don't know, let's say your Sky Q box at home, or um, even a government digital service. So, why did we make this step? Why does it even exist? What's the importance of rethinking from a customer's perspective? I think it's about the maturity of these organisations. Whether these organisations can actually have the capability to think for themselves. I think there's a there's a struggle that these organizations face every day, which is how do we stay relevant? And when you want to stay relevant, the only way to be relevant is to understand the, the component parts that uh, your, your customers or your audience are associating with. And I think this is where um, customer-centric design or, or service design, this helps businesses kind of move towards that roadmap or to move, move towards a a opportunity to reconceptualize their business. So I think um, it's a necessary change for the world we live in. And COVID is a perfect example of that. So it's, it's, it's something that I think is not an option for organizations to now say, we have to put the customer first, and then we'll figure out what our roadmap is and what our priorities are in the future. So I think that's what's happening. Exactly. And I think the classic example is the kind of the three slogan situation that normally happens in, in politics, although the three slogan thing was used during COVID-19, you know, stay alert, stay safe, save the NHS, 
make America great again, you know, another kind of very short triple word play. That's uh, customer centric, isn't it? In one sense that you create messaging that's easy to remember that actually has a call to action, you know? Yeah, I think there's two sides to it though. Like Marsh Lippa, we've had the opportunity to work in both comms, so digital communications, and also in digital product delivery. And in the communication part, I think it's uh, one, you've got to be a good communicator. You need to essentially be able to say what you want to say well, and be able to articulate the kind of behavioral shift you want people to um, to, to reproduce, I'd say, in, in, in their behavior. And make America great again is kind of one of those things you can get behind also stay safe, stay at home. Those, those things are also something which is alluding to a behavioral shift or behavioral change. Um, but that is again, the communication of the behaviors that as an organization, we want our customers or our clients or our uh, citizens to have. But when you're actually creating a product for someone, there's a, a shift that you're helping to take place. So an example is, um, uh, I remember there was a designer who was asked in uh, Germany, not Germany, in Brazil, sorry. We have a problem in our country, which is drivers keep hitting each other. So like, okay, why are you talking to me? Why do you ask the car manufacturers to fix this? And they said, we've asked the car manufacturers and um, they don't know how to fix this. So the question then came is, how do we look at it from a driver's perspective? How would we change this so that drivers become more aware about their environment, but also being safe on the road. And it was such a simple change. The change was as simple as, as the moment you take your foot off the accelerator, the brake lights come. And that was it. It, was a very, it gave the driver behind you a very small um, uh, amount of time, an additional amount of time to realize that the car in front of you is slowing down. But that was a designer who went out into the real world started to observe the behaviors that were taking place, started to calculate that. So it's not just saying, okay, this is what I think and I hypothesized it, but actually calculating it and say, actually in reality, if I gave someone this much more time, whether it's a micro, couple of microseconds or maybe one or two seconds, that would change the amount of impact. So um, yeah, design does help change things, but uh, there's two parts to it, the communication part, but also the actual product delivery. What, what do you think of this um, technology known as um, nudging? So a nudge would be, uh, for example, you go to a supermarket, you have to uh, put a pound in or a, a particular quarter or whatever it is you've got to get your trolley. Uh, and you are kind of in, way, in one way you've invested in that. Then you do your shopping and you put your shopping in your car, if you've got a car, uh, and then you basically have to take the trolley back to get your, your money back. So this is kind of a little bit of a, a nudge kind of a, a subtlety to get you to do something. What's your view of that? Is that, is that good? Uh, are there other more, you know, genuine ways of doing that? So, so that's a great, it's a great sort of problem to start to solve really. Uh, so that, that example is um, something that we've come accustomed to. So we call that a sort of a convention that people are just used to this idea that as soon as you come up or come up to a, a superstore, um, you go ahead and put your pound in and they, they know that the reason for it is so that you don't potentially go ahead and take it away. They want you to go back and put it in because otherwise you're going to get your pound back. Um, but that is a good example where the business has said that this is what we want. This is how we're going to save the investment. We have our trolleys. We're going to let people use them. And we've created quite a, uh, 
a problematic way and not a necessary user-centric way of uh, us being able to allow people to use a trolley or a collection device to go ahead and gather your um, your food or your items safely and then transport it to, as you said, either a car or it might be the fact that you might live quite close to home so you might want to take it straight there and bring it back. Um, but that is quite a convoluted way of being able to solve that certain problem. So another way of looking at that <clears throat> could be the fact that um, you, you go ahead and you and you take that same trolley, you don't have to necessarily pay for it, you go ahead and you basically start to, uh, even if the trolley was a smart trolley, for example, and then this is again, just hypothesizing ideas around the customer. So as soon as you go ahead and you, you take a grip of it, if you can identify who you were, because you come and use this, um, use this uh, superstore locally or weekly, for example, it recognizes who you are, and then therefore it tells you, by the way, the fastest route to go and get your local groceries are X, Y, and, X, y, and Z in terms of aisles, or you might want to go ahead and wait on aisle three because it's a bit packed, or the items that you were normally accustomed to aren't there right now, so therefore why don't you come back a bit later? So it can really become a lot more useful as an apparatus that you can use to do exactly the same task, but now become useful. And then as soon as you come to the car, for example, it then goes ahead and makes its way back in. All those technologies are, um, are there for us to take advantage of and enable um, us to use a lot more of a, uh, uh, an environmental, optimized customer experience, which then becomes, and if anyone was to take that on, for example, if, the, if it weighed up into the revenue, uh, it will become a key differentiator. So that's the first thing that you'll probably start to hear people talk about in advertising, saying that, oh, by the way, we have this amazing technology in terms of a high-tech store that really looks after your needs, and by the way, this is a great example of that. And that becomes a differentiator. So then people that feel as if actually, you know, if you maybe have a disability, for example, you may be, going, you may be using a wheelchair, that that becomes a really meaningful experience that even though that store may be charging slightly more for their produce, but you've now helped them in that particular scenario, uh, they may take choose to go to that particular store than someone else. So, so design is often used to leverage uh, a differentiator in the experience that then ultimately can allow you to uh, to, to pay to either pay more or, or also have a lot more of, a, um, an imposing uh, effect or residual effect on that customer base. So let's talk about the customer base for a second, because one of the things that um, there was an article a few years ago from, I always quote this for some reason, Harvard Business Review wrote a piece that said that um, if you've got a number of touch points um, with the customer, so you buy a product, you might buy it online, um, there's multiple points in terms of um, all the selling to you, whether it's online or in-store or in-dealer, you're convinced you bought the product, you love the product, then one day the product doesn't work or something goes wrong with it. So what ends up happening is your, according to Harvard Business, the article suggested that your last customer experience is the way that you will remember that particular organization. So you're going to have the most fantastic company in terms of R&D, research and development. They make a great product. Uh, they sell it to you really well. It all sings, singing and dancing well, you know, bells and whistles. But when it goes wrong, if you have a call center that is terrible, you will not go back to that product and because you will remember your last customer experience. So there's a number of problems here. Number one is, too many touch points not being consolidated. Number two, um, the number of, uh, so user experience wise, it's brilliant because your user experience online is fantastic and that's increasingly important. But if your groceries don't turn up or increasingly the wrong melon is turning up, so you don't like melons, but you, get, you keep getting papayas, right? Well, I like both of them. But the, the point is that no one's improving that. No one's considering, uh, keeping that information, that knowledge, and then going back and improving it. What, what's your view on the fact that none of this stuff seems to be joined up? 
we see in these large organizations don't seem to be paying heed to the last customer contact, which is all about being customer centric. Isn't that, isn't that a contradiction? So, well, well there's, a, there's, <laughs> there's a saying, right? The, the bigger the mountain, the harder it is to move it, right? I mean, this is, um, this is a common problem across the industry where the big giants are sitting with a legacy of technology behind them. So the reason why they're successful in the first place is they had the technology, the capability, the network to grow and expand at a crazy rate, absolutely phenomenal rate. So when you go to the history of like Deutsche Bank or HBC, even Sky, you see some of the capabilities that they had in the beginning were so inspiring and so innovative, like you literally don't see that replicated anymore, especially inside those organizations. The reason for that is the rate of innovation kind of bell curves very quickly. Oh, I just noticed my hand went across your editing. Apologies. So that bell curve, um, <laughs> so, so the bell curve kind of takes place very quickly. And what you notice is they are trying to maintain an existing business while trying to reinvent themselves. And that's something very hard to achieve. Um, it was achieved by Sky. Sky did an amazing job. So this was when we had the opportunity to meet you at Sky as well, where we had an opportunity to work on both the Sky HD platform, which was existing at that time, also the Sky Q platform. So we helped deliver it from a concept through to actually articulating what it meant in real life and then delivering it into the hands of uh, I think it's only 11 million UK customers, right? So it's like used very, very widely now. But this wasn't any easy feat, right? I mean, even up to the CEO, Jeremy Derrick, had to get involved and try to understand how is this new business that we're talking about that you guys are telling me we should be doing um, actually going to affect my current business? So he was actually very worried. What, 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 why am was I worried about losing the customers from Sky HD to go to Sky Q because SkyQ is a different proposition, isn't it? Because with SkyQ, you're streaming to every box that's actually in uh, in the house, right? From one yeah. central unit. Although each uh, one of the remote controls works brilliantly, independently, but the but the server's in a single location, right? I think the, the I, I've got a lot of respect for Jeremy because he took the initiative to say, actually, in reality, in the last 13 years, once we released the Sky HD box, all we've really been doing is hardware improvements. We made the box a little bit faster. We gave you an extra terabyte of hard drive space. Wow, fantastic. We now run out of ideas of how to innovate. Very likely Virgin will take us or someone Amazon else will take us, Amazon, Apple. So these disruptors were coming into market. But in order for him to do what you're saying with bringing a holistic, connective experience, he had to create a new business entirely. So we created a new, well, I didn't, but he created a new building called Sky4. And inside that building, none of the current Sky employees were allowed in there, period. You're not allowed in. New guys are going to come in and rethink our entire business proposition. And only after a year of us working on that proposition, getting up to a mature state that he himself has reviewed, we have also reviewed with customers and clients. So we had a massive amount of research undertaken during that phase. Um, only then did he make the switch to say, actually, now you guys have got far enough to get the subject matters in. So I'm gonna now merge you with the current business. So he then brought in the business folks who work on Sky HD into Sky Q to help define um, the business proposition part or element of the whole operating system. So it's a shift that companies are doing at different varied scales. So um, you can see broadcasts are moving down this path because they're getting 
I'd be honest, shoved down their throat the fact that Amazon launching live TV along with Netflix launching, I think it's a Netflix, Netflix also considering launching live TV. These players that were um, uh, video on demand players moving into live streaming uh, services worries a lot of broadcasters. So they're moving fast. Other areas like banks, they've had competition like the Monzos, the Revoluts for a while. They're not moving very quickly, but would you would you would you move say five hundred thousand to two or three million pounds into a Revolut account, or would you keep it with a bank that's been around for forty years? So they have a different problem, but they still recognise the need for this. Um, I think the the value is now knowing if you were so if you talk to the audience and if we were to say um, you are now in an IT field or you're in a technology field whatsoever. I, are you now going to consider user experience or a customer uh, lens on the type of studying that you're going to take in, in your education? I think it's imperative. By the time you get to uh, outside of your degree, there'll probably be jobs that are far-reaching what we have, have experienced already. Uh, I remember when we were at Bruno, I started my degree hoping to become a 3D animator or a broadcaster or something. <laughs> this job didn't exist. There was no concept of user experience, didn't exist. I, I kind of stumbled across it by Amity's friend. <laughs> so it's, it's, it was just pure serendipitous. So uh, yeah, I think customers are, are ready for customer experience that will make them shift away from their current patterns. Businesses understand the value. They're also going up to the point of, of hiring a a, a design um, a chief design officer some of them have so it's up to the kind of echelons of the business or organizations and now even students like Bruno recently launched a new design school inside the university so this is a design school that merges not only design skills and educational academia but also the collaboration methods that is expected by the industry so Bruno like other universities are really pushing up their um, educational platforms to meet the requirements of industry, industry, but but also, I think they have the chance to rethink industry as well. Request more from the industry to change the way they think as well. I think you're right, Ashir. I think one of the other things that is um, we've seen lacking in, uh, especially in uh, uh, fresh graduates that come out, is that although there is the great technical skills, there's the user case studies that come out, for example, reading books or meeting people like yourselves. The the problem is the commercial experience uh, is to really get that hands on to get that real insight into what it means. Now, we may think like customers, but can we respond like customers actually want uh, in terms of you could argue that the hardest thing to do is to sell to Joe public or Jane Jane public, right? Because they can be moany, they can be in, in different moods. But the, the situation is that common access points are difficult to get, right? So if you do have a problem, um, having to wait, it's like, you know, if you go and return something in the shop, it takes forever. But to buy it, it takes two seconds to take the money out of your credit card, right? So I always say that to the, the teller. I go, that was quick. Your machines weren't running really quickly. It took about three seconds to take my money. But if I'm returning, I've got to go to the back of the queue and I've got to wait for something to be returned. Increasingly on retail, it is getting better where people like Waitrose and John Lewis, because they've got uh, a partnership, they can get stuff shipped, right? And then people can return. So if they buy a suit and it's a bit loose or tight or whatever, 
they can buy multiple components and return it. So as long as the customer service is good. So customer service is not necessarily uh, from the point of, um, okay, this is my return, this is my experience. Uh, from the service side of it, the purchasing side seems to be pretty good. It seems to be moving in the right direction. But the other part of it, which is, I mean, also uh, has a, an underlying element in terms of data as well. When you look at the frequency, the way that you change your strategy, the way that you actually look and see what the behavior is of that customer service, and then you put that back into the user design piece, that seems to be the hardest piece. So my points are really more about getting that commercial experience to tomorrow's graduates is the hardest piece. Because although ironically they are customers, they're not thinking like what they want out of the system, right? Because you're having to do research to get there. Let, let's move on to, we've got, a, we've got a few minutes left. I'm really interested in your view about uh, if somebody wanted to move into this uh, Jesse James Jackson's area, um, or Jesse James Garrett, I think his name is. Uh, I love that. Name. Um, Jesse James Garrett, isn't it? So what why, what advice would you give to graduates of uh, tomorrow? We, we've got a few minutes left about getting better experience in terms of um, do they go online? Do they look at systems? Do they read particular case studies? Are there particular websites that are good to look at in terms of, you know, being able to get that insight into good design? So I think we've already tackled this one, which is, um, Essentially, um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the schools of thought that we really appreciate uh, is, a, is a company called IDEO. Uh, and IDEO have now also got some online courses uh, in regards to understanding right from the inception of if you ever wanted to think about UCD or, or something also CX, which is customer experience, as well as user-centered experience, user-centered design, um, you would, not, would, would actually encourage you to maybe look at that as a, as a starting point to really see if that's something that uh, is something you're going to be passionate about. Um, something in terms of this particular discipline, it really takes a person that's going to be have empathy for not necessarily what even just the client thinks uh, or, the, or the business thinks, is actually uh, someone that has a mindset of what does humanity think around this particular design problem. Um, so someone that really appreciates the fact that they see a particular problem and they feel as if design can be a part of that solution to make it better, uh, would be something from a mindset perspective of someone that could potentially really benefit and thrive with inside of a uh, user-centered um, design process and, and really contribute to uh, creating solutions that are gonna really be uh, work first time based upon evidence and data uh, towards what's been um, uh, achieved within sort of previous research that may have happened to go ahead and conduct a particular case study. So, um, so someone that's really empathized with users on a day-to-day -day basis would be someone that would really benefit from UCD. Um, and IDEO would be a great position to go ahead or, or place to go maybe look at first as a, as a start group. Um, for me, I, I'd, say I'd rather speak to the parents to really understand that you don't think design is a waste of time industry to get your children involved in. Simply put, because um, as a kind of Sikh community, we haven't uncovered design. We've actually come into the industry and people are like, how is a Sikh a designer? They're just like, they don't care about design, these guys don't. But in reality, um, there's so much that you can uncover in design from being able to simply justify a behavioral trait that's existing inside a customer or, 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 or a group of people, all they do to shifting the entire business to respect that and change the way they do business for that group. Now that's something that is humbling at every level. 
right? It changes the way you appreciate how business is done. It changes the way that you think you have quite a lot of power to enable a group or a community of people. So I'd say to parents, really um, uh, be a bit um, broader thinking or accept the concept that technology, you don't have to sit behind a computer to, to invent technology. You can be a designer outside of the scope of actually building computers towards um, actually designing what that concept or, or future experience could be. So I'd say it's not only Absolutely. The, so look Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so you know, I was going to say, um, to, just to kind of uh, summarise, is that looking at the design experience, um, looking at, I guess, you know, people talk about, you know, journey maps and uh, even this new role that people are talking about, which is like a journey manager that really kind of, you know, considers all the different aspects of the intersection points. Uh, where does a particular inflection point take place when somebody makes a decision to buy something rather than just a, hey, you should buy, which is a call to action. It's more about well, I'm going to continue to do this, and, and as you said, the the importance of data is very is very very good there. Well, we're going to have to leave it there because we're at 24 minutes, uh, and it's been great having your company this time. Uh, so wonderful to meet you after ages. Uh, so good yeah. to catch up, and it's so great that you took time out your busy diary with being you know trustees of universities and uh, leaders in the field. And wow, what what an incredible. Uh, claim to fame uh, about you know working with Sky. I was always impressed when I first met you that you were the you were the main designers of some of those incredible interfaces and also some great leading work you're doing with banks. And oh, by the way, the motor industry's got a lot to learn as well. By the way, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, human machine design stuff that needs to come into play. But we'll, we'll leave it there. And I'd say thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you soon. Let's keep in touch, uh, and we're going to come back and tell us about some of your projects in more detail. Yeah. Thank you so much for the show tonight. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to see you. Take care.